It was his first time hanging out with his older brother and his friends. He was so excited to be included in their fun, even if it was on Mom's orders. He tried his best to keep up with them, his skateboard getting caught in branches as he went. After what felt like forever, they finally reached the culvert, a mecca for teens. It was an isolated large cement drainage ditch, covered in layers of graffiti with large steel structures like teeth jutting out of the tunnel. A shiver ran up his spine. His brother and friends were already ramping off the sides of the culvert and running manuals, trying to one-up each other. He stood back, trying to work on an ollie, he could never quite get that trick. After about the twelfth time he failed to do it, one of his brother's friends came up and told him he needed to build speed. His brother agreed, as did the others. Snickering, his brother told him he'd be fine. Just start at the top of the wall and roll down. No big deal. He puffed out his chest and climbed up the side of the culvert. His brother and friends were laughing. The walls looked even steeper from up top, but he had to be brave. He had to be. And then he had to nail this trick. He put his wheels to the ground and dropped in. He was so focused on getting his feet and weight correct, he didn't hear his brother's shouts to stop. At least, not until it was too late. Welcome back to ANA Tall Tales. I'm Amanda. And I'm Andrea. And we are doing kind of a double episode today. It is the Gates of Hell and Walhalla Road in Columbus, Ohio. Which are kind of, I mean, oddly sort of connected at least. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in this section and I might spring Glen Echo Park in there because, oh my goodness, it is ridiculous. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see where we get. This might be a journey for all. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing new. No, it's it's a weird day, you guys. So I just warning you, the slap happy is is extra right now. Yeah, I am still waiting on news about my new nephew, by the way. Uh, it's been all day. I know. I'm so oh. impatient. Anyway, as long as everybody's fine, that's all that matters. Yeah, I apparently they're just still waiting. So I'm I guess that's one day closer to my birthday. So he'll be my birthday present. You're going to have two as your birthday presents. I know. It's like I was just telling Robert the other day that you can't really top my sister-in-law. She's, I'll have a niece and a nephew within two or three days of my birthday now. It's kind of hard to get a better present than that. You almost can't, really, to be honest. I Right? So, <laughs> uh, but yes, it has been a weird day. And we have two or three kind of cool spots and legends. Kind of cool. Really cool spots and legends. Pretty cool. So, and this will be close enough to Halloween to count. Also, before we get started and I forget, Andrea. Hmm. Andrea. What? Happy one year. <laughs> Happy one year. We've been doing this for a year, you guys. We're so excited. Okay, anyway. I'm I'm really glad you were paying attention to that because um You've I was got not. a lot of other things going on, okay? And I am horrible with anniversaries, so it's okay. I got you. So the gates of hell. The gates of hell. Also known as the blood bowl. Also known as the pit of hell. Or the portal to hell. Or the portal. It's very gory and hellish. Okay. We are going to start with 
I know the beginning, but there's so many different beginnings to this. The Gates of Hell is a drainage culvert near the corner of North High Street and Arcadia Avenue in Clintonville Park. It is a concrete basin with steep angled sides, and it's called the Gates of Hell not because there's really any legends with Gates of Hell, like those typical legends, but because there are these large steel structures like jutting out of this tunnel to stop debris from washing into the tunnel because it's a drainage culvert. Yeah. So I, (laughs) I had never heard of this before you brought it up and I had to, I had to look at pictures before I understood what was trying to be described. And it was nothing like what I was expecting for some reason these steel structures are not not what I was expecting. I was thinking that it was going to be something along the lines of like a grate that was put up over the mouth of the tunnel or around the mouth of the tunnel. And it's not that at all. It's more like I-beams welded together in a triangular pie-shaped gate that is attached on either side of the tunnel out toward the ravine. And it just kind of in a, I think, an effort to deter large debris away and just push them along the creek bed up against the tunnel and not even like to block it. But that's not what I had in my mind when I was reading the descriptions of this stuff. Yeah, it it's one of those things like if you don't know what it looks like, Google it, it will 100% make sense. But it's definitely to keep larger debris out of the tunnel because the tunnel itself that runs under High Street, I think it is, has, you'd expect it to go like straight through like a tunnel does <laughs> because that makes sense. But no, this is, this is Columbus. This doesn't, nothing makes sense here. Um, there are two 90 degree turns under this like four lane street. I don't understand. I don't understand why. I don't either. And there's also a decent sized chamber in between these turns, like in the center of the streets. So if something, if, you know, a large tree limb or large rock or a big amount of leaves or anything got stuck in there, it's going to be stuck, stuck, like damn things up. Yeah. So that's their purpose, but it definitely gives the the culvert and the tunnel kind of like an eerie sort of vibe, which is why it's the gates of hell. Um, it is not to mention that it is so secluded, especially considering the area that it's in. Because you think running under the roads it's running under, it wouldn't be that secluded, but. It is extremely secluded. You have to hike to get down here. The whole thing with this park is it doesn't look like it should be in the middle of Columbus at all. Yeah. Again, when I started looking into this stuff, I was like, what are you even talking about, Amanda? And then I got looking and I'm, I understand. Mm-hmm. It definitely... It's bizarre, especially since there's a Tim Hortons within a stone's throw. <laughs> like, 
what that, is this? That's one of the most hilarious things I've ever read was like the most haunted thing about this is it runs under a Tim Hortons and a White Castle. <laughs> I just I laughed. It does make sense, like as we get into the legends a little bit. But the other cool thing about this park is you kind of have to go back on a regular basis because there is an ever-changing amount of graffiti, just constantly changing. And it is some of it is pretty spectacular. And that surprises me, too, because it's not easy to get back to this area. Like, you can't just go down the ravine wall to get there. Mm -mm. You have to. It takes some effort. You can't just, like, jump off the road either for anybody who's like, well, just park on the side of the road. You can't do that. That's not how this works. If, and again, I'm saying this having never been there, but if I was understanding correctly and oriented correctly looking at the pictures, you have to scale a fairly treacherous, I'm going to say, piece of the ravine down into the, the runoff bed, the stream bed, which is pretty narrow and pretty steep and not just a smooth, easy trek. Yeah. But that seems to be part of the appeal to it because as difficult as it is to get down there, it's also that difficult for law enforcement or anybody else to get down there. It's also lined by privately owned pieces of property. Yeah. All the stories of, yeah, this is our hangout spot. This is where we go to do extracurricular activities as much as that means what it means in all the different forms that it means what it means. Um, yeah, it it's it 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 boggles my mind because it just sh- it shouldn't be in the middle of Columbus, and I don't understand. But we need to go. Yeah, maybe before or after it's icy. <laughs> uh, after after I think would be easier. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know with you. It what you? You're the it's problem not, one. <laughs> it's not me. I just. I'm just over here living life and it just, there's just so much that keeps going on. I know. It's not your fault. And I love you. I'm just juggling it. You're doing a good job. I think so. (laughs) Or something. Anyway. um, So the Gates of Hell is technically, I think, more referring to the tunnel. But the area around it, the culvert with the steep walls, is also called the Blood Bowl. Which is always a fun name for things to have. Okay, because I was taking it as the Gates of Hell were referring to the lead up and the actual iron structure. And the Blood Bowl is referring to the chamber inside the tunnel. Uh, I, I thought it was the culvert outside of the tunnel was the Blood Bowl. I don't know. I wonder if it's just kind of interchanged because... I... I don't know. I was doing like four things at once when I was reading some of these articles, like reading four articles at once. So maybe I just have it transposed in my head too. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to look at that some more and, and see if anybody knows, please let us know. Because I thought it, I thought it was the outside portion, but, and you're saying it's the inside portion. So I don't know. I don't either. Okay. But this Blood Bowl, regardless of where it is, uh, has some legends attached to it. Just a um, few. Just, just, just a few. Um, depending upon who you are, who you talk to, what you read, there are 
probably a thousand different combinations of what happened here that caused this place to be supposedly haunted. Generally, it's set in the 1980s. Mind you, there's no record of any accidents in this area that pertain to anything we're going to talk about. So whether or not it actually happened is unknown. But um, in the 1980s, a kid on a skateboard, on a bike, or on rollerblades, take your pick, uh, died. They were trying to do a cool trick, landed on their head, trying to go through the tunnel as fast as they could and hit their head when it turned 90 degrees, was murdered, was either new or unpopular and trying to show off, was a locally famous pro and trying to show off and died. Once again, take your pick, mix and match. It's all the same. Yeah, there were so many different versions that used, interchanged any piece of that at any point. And sometimes in the middle of the story, it changed. (laughs) But the, see, so this is where I got the, where the actual Blood Bowl area is in my head. One of the things that I did notice through a lot of the stories is that the skater apparently met his demise just inside the tunnel. And when I was looking at some of the pictures, because there's, because of the way the turns are and everything, that center part of the tunnel doesn't get any daylight ever. And that's, I have it written down here. (laughs) I think I convinced myself that, that, um, that chamber is where the skater in most of these stories died. So. Yeah, it, and it's not like it, is straight even at the 90 degree turns it's not like it's one even height it drops Ooh. yeah so if you're running through and smack your head when it drops then if you're going full speed but yeah this is kind of a morbid episode i might put a, a disclaimer because <laughs> we're just getting started along with the 80s we'll just stay in the 80s for a hot minute there was a direct-to-video horror film, which, so I was a little at first like, well, that's weird. But this is within walking distance of Ohio State campus. Mm-hmm. So it's not really that weird once I actually, you know, got a little logical about this. So in 1988, a direct-to-video horror film had some of their scenes filmed in this ravine leading down to Hell's Gate. Gates of Hell. And the film, I didn't find anywhere that it could be watched. I didn't really get a chance to look super closely. But it apparently featured a troubled young man who had horrific nightmares that followed him into being awake. And the the scenes in the film where a temptress and his own doppelganger meet him and terrorize him were filmed in the tunnel. So Hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting and added a whole nother layer to it. Yeah. But that's all I found. I, I, like I said, I couldn't find even like YouTube clips of the film. So it's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It was called beyond dreams door. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to dig and see what I can come up with and add it to the list of movies that we haven't even started. Guys, we didn't get to Shawshank. <laughs> just I, to let you know I right now. I was just thinking about that. Uh, 
I brought it with me when I went up, and then we just wound up doing stalls all day, and then a little bit of riding. And then you came up again the next weekend, and we just went and rode. Yeah. Well, went and rode, and then, yeah. Somersaulted with a horse. Somersaulted and... with a horse. It's, it's, I'm fine. Everybody's fine. The horse is fine. It just shit happens Yeah, sometimes. he's he's fine. It just, yeah. But it was 73 degrees and beautiful, and we don't get that in late October very often. And mm-hmm. yeah, who knows if I'm going to actually be able to do like on my birthday trail ride. And it just, yeah, we dropped everything and went and rode. Which, I mean, can you blame us for preferring to play with horses versus sit on our butts and watch a movie. I mean, that's what winter is for. And rainy days. Exactly. So, we'll just keep a list. Yeah. The legend, like I said earlier, there aren't any records or newspaper articles or anything I can find or anyone else for that matter can find to corroborate any of the legends or its various forms so it's probably just something someone said to one of his buddies and spiraled out from there i think that makes it an urban legend kind of thing right yeah oh 100 percent. and then i don't have anything really dated until 2001 yes and this is very substantiated But it is a definite cliffhanger. I was so disappointed by that. Yeah, there's... And I don't think anybody is still trying to figure out where it came from, which makes me very sad and hurts my crime junkie heart. Well, I'm wondering... So, along those lines, let's, I guess, maybe explain what happened. Yes. So, in November of 2001, so nearly 22 years ago at this point, a couple was out for a walk and apparently their idea of a romantic walk was to climb down into a ravine to the gates of hell and go check out that portal and they discovered a human head near the path of the ravine so they called the police the police began an investigation and what they found was the head was old mostly decomposed and skeletal there was still some very uh, done up hair still in place, complete with a rusted barrette. And they brought an anthropologist from Ohio State who determined that the remains belonged to a middle aged woman that had been buried at one point and then exhumed and brought down to the ravine. So it didn't appear from what I read that they suspected any kind of foul play because their first thing that they wanted to look at was nearby cemeteries. I don't know if there was something going on at the time that they thought maybe, you know, a drunk frat boy might do something like this or or what. But they also ran and reviewed historical grave sites in the area and just to make sure that you know, there wasn't an old pioneer's grave that had been washed up, I guess, in recent rains. And there was nothing. There was no disturbed graves anywhere that they could find. This was an old head. And so, oh man, that sounds so crass. (laughs) So now that I'm saying this out loud, which I'm just putting two and two together, perhaps what they meant by old was not just that it had been buried and exhumed. I'm wondering if there was some sort of undertaking process that they found that didn't that made them think it wasn't 
foul play or if they're the actual age of the remains as far as like that they would be looking at historical grave sites yeah i i don't know because there's nothing there's nothing else it's just this couple found this head and they couldn't figure out where it came from they thought it might have been from a grave but they never really found out so and that's all there is that's it yeah i just nothing further was discovered just that someone, for unknown reasons, had exhumed a human head and placed it in the ravine. End of story. Or it that got washed down into the ravine, or... But, like, d- wh- all the questions. All of them. Forever. Yeah. But something had to have happened. There had to have been something that made yeah. them like, eh, we're not super worried about it. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with processing bodies after they die but don't they like inject something into your veins after they drain them to like yeah. preserve yeah. so it might have found that in there if that was That's, still around yeah again as i'm thinking about this past the ooh, of the initial discovery um that almost has to be part of what had them looking at disturbed graves versus looking for the rest of a body yeah. Like the, it, something, something had to have alerted them to that. Yes. So the ravine then, and the legends of the Gates of Hell and all of its other names, <laughs> kind of fell back into you know, teenage college kid hangout area until 2005 when it was written into Weird Ohio and... The authors, Lauren Coleman, Andrew Henderson, and James Willis, featured some of these stories in their book. I love that book. I have not yet done too much past just flipping through it. But again, that's what winter's for, and it's almost here, mm-hmm. and I'm trying not to think about it too hard. It'll be okay. Yeah. So that was cool. It, it made Weird Ohio, and I mean, can you blame it with all the weirdness? Mm-mm. It and then to make things even better so you remember when all the funky clowns were wandering all over the country and like scaring the bejesus out of people yes in 2016 so apparently one of those clowns emerged from the portal to hell and, and chased a little girl yeah with a knife with a knife down the road by the old north high school which sits on the banks of the gates of hell and it was, I do remember hearing about that in the news, even up here. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, obviously, these clowns were in the news all over the place. But for the most part, they were just being creepy for no reason. Like, not maliciously. And this one was like, oh, no, no, no. This one had a knife. <laughs> yeah. So, that was interesting. But again, that was all there was to that. That wasn't even like a legend, just... Hey, does everybody remember the freaky clowns? Um, mm-hmm. I guess let's get into the actual like gates of hell. They're called this legend and the name is all about gates and portals and openings for a reason. And it's not just because there's a creepy structure around the mouth of this tunnel. Yes. Yeah, so from what I remember, it's you have to do some sort of ritual and you either have to open all of the portals throughout the continental U.S. at the same time, at the same day, and, like, hell will be unleashed or some variation that thereof. 
I took lots of notes because, again, this was a totally new thing for me. Andrea? Can you hear me? You are, like, really far behind. What? Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Okay. Okay, sorry. I'm really far behind what? No, never mind. Continue. (laughs) So, you're breaking up really bad. Like, I can barely hear you. I'm not even talking right now. Yeah, you are. I... No? Yes, you were. I wasn't talking. Well, but my headphones said you were. But I wasn't, I promise. Like, that's why I said you're really far behind. Well, then apparently, like, whatever you were saying got stuck. I hate this day. And it just came through all disembodied and discombobulated, and now I have goosebumps even on my toe hairs. (laughs) no. I'm sorry. Like, I'm all by myself on this cold, windy night. The wind keeps whistling through my window up here. There's something buzzing, which I think is just ladybugs around the light fixture. But still, like, there's nobody here but me and the dog right now. And I'm cold. And <laughs> and then you keep your voice gets stuck in the phone while we're talking about creepy clowns and the gates of hell. I mean, that's just par for the course at this point in time. Come on now. It is, especially on this day. Like, we just had the whole solar eclipse thing yesterday, and then things have just been weird all day today. And, yeah, so now I'm going to talk about some of the rituals that go into opening this gate to hell just a few days before Halloween, apparently, and this is a great idea. Yeah. Please don't open the gates to hell, guys. I mean, at this point, it's probably better than where we're at now, but, yeah. Well, yeah, apparently part of opening the gates to hell was when everybody decided to balance their brooms for some reason a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to talk about this now. Um, on certain nights, when the stars are just right, a gate to hell can open at this location. When the gate to the great beyond opens, for short periods, creatures and beings can come across the veil between the realms. This portal was either opened the first time in the 70s by an occult dabbling group of hippies, or it was opened or strengthened in the 80s by devil-worshipping teenagers. The gate can be intentionally or accidentally opened, which that's kind of freaky even more than anything that can accidentally open. It can open fully or just a crack. The things on the other side of the gate must be beyond powerful and they have to be bound in some way and nothing that I found and I didn't look very close because I just didn't um didn't say how they have to be bound just that they have to be bound or they will drag their victims back to their realm part of opening these gates are performing different acts and rites at different areas along the path up to the gate But it has to be done sequentially or it doesn't work. And even just people that hang out down there have observed oddities like floating money on the water that runs by, different out-of-place paraphernalia of horror and occult things. Apparently there are some wells, like perfectly circular cutouts in some of the rocks at different places. There's been stones that bleed, odd glyphs carved into stone and some extremely sinister graffiti depending on what part of the legend or what source these are the actual places and bits that go with these different rites and invocations to open this gate 
or their magical traps to ensnare anyone who dares to meddle in this location. Hmm. Yeah. I pulled an Amanda. I dug deep into some stuff. That's okay. Yeah. And I'm really learning how to use my, my super note, so I have some really cool notes. Yay. <laughs> so anyway, moving on quickly. M- moving on quickly. Um, So the name of the river, like it's a drainage ditch, but so it's Glen Echo Creek is the name of the waterway, drainage water that runs through this area. Glen Echo Creek, we're going to dip into Glen Echo Park. Just, just a little bit of a toe dip, if you will. Do it. Glen Echo Creek starts in Glen Echo Park. Um, it is a, looks like it's a runoff of Silver Drive, which is right next to 71. But Glen Echo Park is a small, gorgeous little park that is maybe a mile or so, if that, east of the Gates of Hell and where the Blood Bowl is. The reason I bring it up is because if anybody remembers what things sort of boost paranormal phenomenon, one of the huge things is water. Running water, especially. Running water. So you have this creek that runs through Glen Echo Park into the gates of hell. Glen Echo Park, as beautiful as it is, for some reason, maybe because it's isolated, but for some reason, I have May 1961, an eight-year-old boy was drowned in five feet of water. Hmm. The pool he drowned in was later filled in to prevent further deaths. A year later, A 48-year-old woman jumped from the Calumet Street Bridge and fell 50 feet to her death. June 1964, a 10-year-old fell into the creek. His body was found by fishermen 15 days later in the Yolantangi. 15 days later? 15 days later. (sighs) April 1964, a 52-year-old woman was found dead at the foot of the Indianola Bridge. Unknown cause of death. January 1965, the body of a 64-year-old man was found near the railroad tracks. Unknown cause of death. October 1975, a 16-year-old boy killed himself with a homemade zip gun. And then, unknown date, a 47-year-old woman shot herself in the middle of the street near the park. Well, all of these unknown deaths are kind of unsettling, to say the least. And mind you, this park is once again like a mile, if that, away from the gates of hell. And so you have all this water carrying all this energy. I don't know. Just makes me think. Mm. And all of it's getting stuck in this strange little chamber under this strange little bridge in this little tunnel that has all these bends and Mm -hmm. darkness. It's great. Don't think about it too hard. Okay. So... (laughs) Man, this is a really dark episode <laughs> so far. <laughs> I am seriously putting a warning on this thing. This is dark. Please don't listen. Man, Amanda. Not sorry. I'm sorry. So if we go back just a little further and back to the banks of the ravine leading to the gates of hell, as all this nastiness is washed down there from Glen Echo Park. If we head back into the early 20th century, 
there was a man living along the top of the ravine in a home that overlooked the tunnel. And depending on the version of the story, he either had a mental breakdown and nobody saw it coming and went insane, or it was a slow and steady decline into insanity. But either way, he chopped his wife and children to death while they slept with an axe. And then, just to prove his insanity even further, he lived in the house for a couple of days with their bodies. Mm -hmm. Until a neighbor realized that they hadn't seen the family out and around for a few days and came to check on everybody and discovered this gruesome scene. And upon that discovery, the, the man, the murderer, he ran to the ravine where he quickly hung himself off of a tree. And now there are reports of his ghost, complete with an axe, haunting the ravine. This is our transition story. Because... because the legend of Walhalla Road is... Now, mind you, Walhalla Road is less than two miles away from the gates of hell. It's just a little bit north. So wait, does that make it on the other side of the, the stream? Like no, downstream it, or upstream? Uh, I sent you in Facebook chat a picture of what we're looking at. Oh, I, yeah. I. You expected me to actually look at that? I kind of did, okay? I was really proud of my map. Well, because it's a great map. Okay, I see what we're talking about now. So it's in the vicinity of, but it is not actually connected. Yes. It's a different stream. It is a different stream. Okay, this is all making sense now. Thank you for the color-coded stars, by the way. But the legend of Walhalla Road, we have Dr. Mooney and his wife and children, or his wife. And there are also several different choose-your-own-adventures with this one. Um, or his wife and her dog. Yes. He slowly went insane and killed his family, his wife or his wife and her dog or his wife and his children, and then either did or did not kill himself. If he did kill himself, he hung himself from a bridge. If he did not, he buried his wife in the front yard. In an attempt to hide his deeds. Let's go yes. to the front yard and dig a hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he hung his wife, hanged his wife and children from the bridge instead of himself. So he's like, I'm just going to murder them and then hang them and for everybody to see what I done did. There's a lot. Yeah. And the versions where he didn't hang himself, he was then arrested, convicted, tried and convicted, and then executed. And either way, whether he killed himself or he was executed by the law, he ends up back where he started. Mm-hmm. It's lots of fun. Legends with this one are, you can see a blue light from the attic of the mansion. There is a statue in the likeness of the wife in the back garden that, after her murder on the anniversary of her death, will bleed from the wound she sustained from her murder. Uh, the husband can be seen pacing the yard or the attic. If you knock on the door, you can hear the wife's head roll down the stairs or see it roll out of the door. Sometimes all the way down the hill. Mm-hmm. If you drive under the bridge at night, you will see a noose hanging or a man hanging from the noose. 
And sometimes you can see a ghost dog protecting the property. A bright, white, glowing, nearly translucent ghost dog. Yes. I, want I got really excited dog. about this. Sorry. I want a ghost dog, Andrea. <laughs> I just, you know, the whole scene in Coco where mm-hmm. the dog and the glowing and the sugar skulls and the... Yeah, I just went there with it, so... Well, that's kind of happy. We'll put happy yeah. spots in this super depressing episode. That story sounds a little bit similar to the story from The Gates of Hell. A little bit? It's like the same story. You know what? Just, this one has Fine. a name. <laughs> when I discovered that, I was like, oh, I've been betrayed. <laughs> so do you have anything on the real life Moonies? I do not. So the kicker with this one is there was a real life couple with the last name of Mooney, who owned a mansion on Walhalla Road between 1944 and 1961. No residents were murdered at the time, but the house did sit empty for some time. And this part of Columbus, once again, does not belong in Columbus. It is gorgeous, like Hawking Hills, gorgeous. And so it's very secluded. And so teenagers, once again, being teenagers, would take themselves up to the mansion and be like, hey, do you know what happened here? Do you know why it's abandoned? Try to scare each other or their girlfriends. All of the above. All of the above. So this is a transition to another story. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Because February 19th, 1918, a man named Forrest Bigelow murdered his wife, Lena, and his daughter, Annabelle. Both were almost decapitated with an axe. This was down in the university district. So there's some theories that this real-life murder got transposed to Walhalla Road because some teens heard their parents talking about it, and then were like, oh, do you know that mansion is where it actually happened? And then that got transposed to Gates of Hell. It's a whole thing. But that makes sense. Yes. So basically what happened, I have I have the entire thing on this one. I went hog wild. Um, so this man murdered his daughter and his wife, and then he walked across the street to his mother-in-law's house. He cut the phone lines and rang the bell. He forced his way into the house before murdering his sister-in-law, who answered the door. His mother-in-law then came down the stairs hearing the commotion where she was attacked. The neighbor came to the door, hearing screams, called the doctor. The police came and easily traced the bloody footprints to the house where the man lived, where they found a note on the door asking the paperboy to stop the paper. Upon entering, they found Forrest upstairs with the bodies of his wife and daughter having shot himself with a Colt 45. The reason for all these murders was it was a super turbulent marriage. They had filed for divorce twice, but neither went through. They went through counseling. The mother-in-law was attacked because she opposed the marriage and made it so that he was forbidden to even enter her house. The wife had talked to the police six days before the murder, saying her husband was insane and had burned all of her clothing, but they didn't listen. The sister-in-law was attacked and murdered, basically because she was a witness and answered the door. That's some insanity. The mother-in-law did survive. 
He had premeditated this to the point where he had left several notes with what clothing him, his mother-in-law, and his wife would be buried in. Who was to sing at their funerals, who was to be the pallbearers, and what was to be done with all their things. He had not originally planned on killing his daughter, because one of the notes mentioned he wanted her to have the home to remember him by. What? Mm-hmm. So... That's the real-life murder that happened back that's, in 1918. That's another one where real life is much, much more of a story than the legends. Yeah. So that's all I have. That's it. It's, it was a puzzle putting all of this together, but hopefully it makes we did sense. It. We did it. And with minimal giggling. I mean, it's kind of a dark episode, Andrea. Just, I mean, just a, just, just a little. Just a little bit. I need to go cuddle Oof. Kaida now. <gasps> it's her gotcha day. I, I can't believe it. She's three years old. Oh anyway, my goodness. I have an adorable little corn snake and she is three and today is her gotcha day. The day we're recording this, not the day this comes out. <laughs> She's the best little naughty noodle. She's the best little noodle. Anyway. So that's everything we covered. <laughs> that's that's Gates of Hell, Blood Bowl, Glen Echo Park, Walhalla Road, University District Murders of 1918. That was a journey, you guys. Is it, uh, I would say hope you enjoyed it, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think I need some hot chocolate and a shower after that. I might actually go take a shower and then give Kyle cuddles. Yeah, yeah. I have to wait was... for tomorrow for my cuddles. I know. But, but, so close. Maybe I'll just, uh, I'll make Ruger come in here. I'll make the dog come in here. <laughs> there you go. Just some Ruger cuddles. He's good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway <laughs> what are we doing next time? I think we are going to finally get around to the dog man. I know nothing about that, so I'm excited to learn a little bit. Yeah, I kind of got down the whole rabbit hole of YouTube videos about it, and I, I don't know how it popped up. I was watching a video that Robert had sent me, and the next thing I knew, it rolled into one that was talking about dogman sightings, and I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't get around to that when we did the not deer. And yeah. I have been wanting and part of the reason that I haven't wanted to do it with the last couple of months is just things have been so crazy I haven't been able to put actual research into it and it's it's such a a wide and varied amount of information there's not a lot of like there's not even a wikipedia page on it kind of deal um so it's going to be more of a collection of stories. actual encounters and stories and I've really been looking forward to it because I enjoy the cryptid stuff. So now I have to ask you because I know nothing relation to werewolves. Yes or no? Uh, sort of. Not really. Okay. I'm just trying to Ambiguous. figure out where I put this in my little map head graph thing. Um, kind of in between the whole Bigfoot is an actual physical creature and metaphysical creature type of camp. Okay. A little bit like the cattywampus type of deal. Okay. Yeah. You're you're going to enjoy it, but we definitely... <laughs> it's going to be fun to put together. Okay. 
So hopefully more fun than this episode. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. This episode was fun in a puzzly sort of way, but not like a fun, fun way. I can't even believe how the macabre on this episode snuck up on me completely. I didn't either until so. I'm saying all of them. And then it's like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> so sorry about this one, guys. Our bad. Our bad. Uh. But if you know any of the variations of these stories, please let us know if you've ever had a run-in with the Dogman or know somebody that has. Shoot us a line. We have tons of different ways that you can get a hold of us. So look us up. Send us a story. Instagram. YouTube. Email. Email. Website. Track me down at work for all I care. I'll listen. Please do. Just burst into the attorney's office and be like, I need to talk to Andrea. I need to tell her my dogman story. It will make her day. It would be better than a lot of the stories I listen to on the phone. So. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. Happy one year ANA Tall Tales anniversary. And we will see you next time. We will see y'all next time. This has been ANA Tall Tales, an independently written, recorded, and produced podcast. Our intro sounds are Crackling Fireplace by Julius H. and Nightwoods by Widget Studios. Our intro song is Harmonica Solo by Julius H. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.